0: A few weeks back, I had the privilege of getting to hang out in Santa Barbara. My in-laws own a house down there, and so once a year, it becomes an oasis for my family. That we just go and chill, get to be with my kids. Amazing. Uh, and I, I know most of you are familiar with Santa Bar- Santa Barbara, but uh, it is this beautiful, incredibly affluent. Uh, I mean, like, movie stars hang out there, Place It's got some of the best restaurants and shopping. And in Santa Barbara, one of the main streets there is a street called State Street. And and on State Street, it's this long strip that goes all the way from the ocean straight up. And there's all these shops everywhere, restaurants. And you see everybody dressed to impress out on Santa Barbara State Street, you know. I... Always feel like a slob when I show up down there. I'm like, oh good lord, because everyone's like got their perfect outfit all figured out and walking about. And my son and I were walking up State Street as the rest of our family shopping, and we're looking for a bathroom. And on the way uh, to this bathroom, right in the middle of the sidewalk, is this man. This homeless man, like not to the side, but like sprawled out right in the middle of the sidewalk like this, laying completely motionless. And as uh, we look at him, we notice just a little bit further right in the middle of the sidewalk is his wheelchair, So we're like literally stopped in our tracks. And, you know, my son's uh, six years old and he's looking at it, trying to figure out, well, daddy, what do we do? And and we're like trying to figure out, well, what do we do? And if you kind of look at him, you notice that he actually is missing a leg and his pants were partially pulled down and revealed a very worn and used diaper. And there's a stench that just came from him. And as we stop trying to figure out what to do, and I'm with my boy, and we're looking, and honestly, if, um, we're pretty overwhelmed with the pain that's in front of us and feel completely unequipped in any way to help. And as we're watching this, I couldn't help but notice how nobody noticed. It was as if this man in the middle of the sidewalk was completely invisible. I mean, people with their Gucci and Prada and Tuck and whatever are walking around with their bags and walking right past. I mean, maybe hundreds of people in a matter of minutes walking past him, some stepping over him to get to their shopping destination. And I just looked at it and I just wondered, I wonder what's going on through their minds. I wonder if perhaps like me, they felt completely overwhelmed. Felt inequipped, unequ- unequipped to be able to help. And so they passed on feeling so uncomfortable in the moment. Or could it be even worse that they didn't feel uncomfortable? They just didn't care to stop. Maybe they're too busy, too important. But, but as I sat there, it's like, how... Could nobody notice? How could nobody stop? How could, how could this man just lay here and people just walk over him as if he wasn't even there? You see, the man that lay there bore the very image of God. It was human beings that we're walking over another human being. That, That this man that lay on the ground is just as valuable and precious to the God who created him as you are or anybody else is, that his affection for this man is so strong and true even though his circumstances are so desperate and unyielding. that he has intrinsic worth. And yet, and yet there was people stepping over him like he's a worthless piece of trash. Oftentimes when we talk about encountering God, it somehow stays deeply disconnected from the grittiness of life from the reality of the harsh, painful, broken world. It's an escape, if you will, from all of that for our own spiritual enjoyment. It's this spiritual ascent of the soul that's for me. And I want to tell you that that was never how it was intended to be. You can't, we can't, I can't talk about encountering God and yet not be moved by to help and engage the gritty world, which is his creation, which is his image bearers. We've been studying Isaiah chapter 6 and the prophets encounter with God. Really learning, what does it mean? How do we truly encounter God in such a way that that fulfills our deepest longings? That literally shapes our soul and propels us into the purpose of our life. That gives us full meaning and significance. Last week, we looked at two areas of Isaiah's encounter. And I put the whole kind of process in your notes. That Isaiah looked up and saw God for who he was. He looked up, and he was high, and he was holy, and he was majestic, and he was fearfully wonderful in every way. And as a result of his holiness and who he was, Isaiah couldn't help but not just look up, but then look in and come to grips with who he really was in light of who God was and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not like whoa, you know, not like, hey, whoa. (laughs) No, 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 no. Whoa. It's me. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, woe is me, woe Dear God. I dare not whisper, but what comes out, I can't help but confess because I am not, and you are in woe. This powerful confession of Isaiah in light of who he is, And in that moment, remember we talked about this last week, that he experienced the extravagant compassion and forgiveness and freedom of God. The confession always postures us to experience the very grace of God. Now, if we stop there, we stop short. And if we stop there... In fact, much of what's written in the New Testament will be nice ideas, but you won't experience the powerful reality of the risen Savior. Until you and I shift from looking up and looking in to looking out and seeing the world the way God sees it looking out and responding to god's call on your life looking out and going it's not just think about how jesus answered this by the way it's not just loving god but when i love god i am compelled i am propelled i can't help myself i have to love you because god loves you look out respond look out and see the world Notice, notice what happens in Isaiah's encounter after he's looked in and responded. He says, then I heard, verse eight, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? See, truly encountering God means responding to the call of God on your life. Now here's why. When you get a glimpse of heaven, God will give you a vision for earth. When you get a glimpse of who God is and what he is, he will give you a vision for the world around you. He will give you a heart-pulsing, passion-infusing vision for his vision of what we are intended to be. What his creation was meant to be. I mean, when you look at Jesus, think about it. Who do he hang out with? The hurting, the broken, the sick, those farthest from him. I think this is so interesting too, by the way. This isn't in my notes, but take it for you for what it is. Jesus wasn't afraid of being misunderstood by others. So often in our love, we we put up so many walls because afraid of what people might think, afraid of how they might respond, afraid of what other Christians will say. Jesus was never afraid of being misunderstood by others. I don't know. Here's what you know. You were made for more. You were made for more. You're made for more than being upwardly mobile. You're made for more than getting a degree. You're made for more than retiring early. You're made for more than just having the American dream. And you know it. And, you, and yet you're not really sure how to live and step into the more that you are made for. And when you encounter the living God, he sets a destiny before you and uses who you are To bring about life change in other people. To live out the more you are made for. See, God asks a question. I love this question. He says, whom shall I send? Who, Who will go for us? Now, think about this. God isn't like, this isn't a rhetorical question. This isn't God wondering, questioning, hoping. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope somebody fixes that lousy planet that I made. Who will go for us? I don't know. You know what this is, by the way? This is the grand invitation of God for all who would call upon him and step into his calling for all who would look upon him and realize they were made for more. This, this is the grand invitation of God. The grand invitation of God, think about this, that God is inviting you into what he's up to in the world. That he's invited you. Like his activity, his purposes, his will, his desires, he's inviting you into what he's up to in the world. Like God wants you to be a part of that, not just special people. People. Not just professional pastors, not missionaries. He's inviting you and me into what he's up to in the world. And well, we got to ask the question, well, what's he up to? If you got your Bibles, if you open to Second Corinthians chapter five, we look at what he's up to and what he's inviting us into. Second Corinthians chapter five. Let's see. Ooh. That's Ephesians chapter 5. There we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what God is up to in the world. If you are wondering, maybe you are confused. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You know what God is up to? New. God is up to new creation. God is up to restoring life and humanity and the world to the way it was originally intended to be. Free from hurt and pain and brokenness and ripping one another off and shame and the devastation of self-centeredness and pride. God is up to new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who, what, what is he up to? Reconciled us to himself Through Christ, about bringing peace and wholeness where there was separation and desperation. And He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What? That God was reconciling the world. Not special people, not certain people, the world. Every race, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The world. Because every person is an image bearer of the God most high. Not counting men's sins against them. You know what God's up to? God's up to bringing beauty from ashes. That's what God's up to. God's up to mending brokenness and pain and bringing healing and wholeness. God is up to taking dead things and making them alive, taking old things and making them new. God is up to bringing restoration and reconciliation for us as humanity who are made and created for God. And yet our sin and brokenness has separated us from him. And God is up to bridging that so that we might be whole and new and have life. That's what God is up to in this world. God is up to... Taking that which was useless and making it useful. There's this really interesting little letter of the Apostle Paul. You'll find it in the New Testament. You probably don't even know it exists. It's that small. It's only 25 verses. It's it's called Philemon. And it's a letter from Paul, the Apostle, to this guy in a church named Philemon. Philemon. It's probably one of the most personal letters that we have of Paul's, because it's just a personal letter to this man, Philemon. Now, the context or the content of the letter is Paul's writing Philemon about this, one of his used-to-be slaves, Onesimus. Now, Onesimus uh, was Philemon's slave, which we can get into that maybe even more next week because we're going to have a conversation about race and racism and all that next week. But Philemon uh, stole from, I mean, Onesimus stole from Philemon and then ran away. And just under the Roman law of the day, that was, if he was caught, it was punishable by death. As he's running away from Philemon, Onesimus comes across the Apostle Paul. God's irony, (laughs) The apostle Paul befriends him. Onesimus comes to know Jesus. Not only that, he then becomes one of Paul's strategic partners and helpers in the gospel. Paul loves him so much that as he's writing to Philemon, as he's sending Onesimus back, he's saying, I send you my very heart, my son, Onesimus. It's interesting. Onesimus' name literally means... Useful. One of the lines that the Apostle Paul says to Philemon is, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. That you would receive him back. And he says, this, receive him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Whoa. Talk about Countercultural and then he says this that you would see, receive Onesimus think about this the same way you would receive me the apostle paul that you'd treat him with the same dignity and respect and honor and reception that you would treat me because he is no longer useless he is now living out his name he is useful And that is what God is up to in the world. Taking that which was once useless and making it useful. Taking what you were once intended and made for and letting you live out who you truly were made to be. You are useful because God has made you useful. That is what God is up to in the world. Well, what is he inviting us into? He goes on to say. And he has committed... To us. Who, who? Help me out. Thank you. Let's, let's make sure us is on board this morning. He is committed to us. We're kind of on board. Thank you. Kind of. That's cool. Whatever. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation, the message of restoration, the message of the grace of God pouring out all over Hmm. we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representation. Like wherever we go, we represent Jesus. Like wherever we go, we're, we're the voice piece for him. We're the voice piece of reconciliation. We're the voice piece of grace. We're the voice piece. We're the representation of peace and hope and love. We are his ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, be made right with God. And now here he gives them the gospel, what he's up to. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what he's up to in your life. And God is inviting you into what he's up to and saying, you get to help bridge that gap and bring people into the very righteousness, the very holiness, the very life of God. And God is asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, it's interesting. When Isaiah responds, he responds, here am I, send me. But if we're honest, a lot of times our response isn't here, am I? It's literally, who am I? Right? It's like, no, 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 who am I? And we respond a little bit like Moses, right? Moses at the burning bush, and God shows up to him and he says, man, I got a plan for you. you God, I'm going to use you. And you know what Moses says? Um, Hello, you got the wrong person. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm pretty sure you asked the wrong person. I'm pretty sure there's got to be somebody else. I can't be your game plan. No, no, no. Who am I? I I'm just average. Who am I? I I'm really broken. Who am I? I'm just so freaking messed up. I don't even have my life together right. I've been living and doing all this crap and I'm still trying to work things out. Who am I? You know what? I'm not even average if I think about it. I'm actually below average. I would just say I'm average to feel better, but I'm actually looking up at average. I'm like, "Wow, there's average." And I'm way down here. Who am I? Listen carefully. Okay, fair. Never dismiss the God who is working in you and his power to work through you. Don't dismiss his work and his power in you. You are an image bearer. Of the God Most High. You are a daughter and son of the King. And He doesn't make a mistake. And He says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, You are my ambassador. And I haven't stuttered at it. And I haven't somehow got the wrong person. I'm making my appeal through you, through you, through me. The great delight of God is to bring us in to what he's up to. Years ago, I was um, painting a wall in my garage. And one of my littlest kids, I can't remember which one, otherwise I'd say which one. (laughs) It's when you get too many kids, you can't remember. (laughs) He was in there with me. And he's painting with me. It was messy, man. He didn't do it right. It's the great delight as a dad to get to work with my kid. It was messy, and he didn't do it right, and I didn't care, because I'm standing there with my kid, my kid. And we're just going together and we're painting together and it's just me and my kid. And he's getting to do it with his dad and he's getting invited into his dad's work and you're getting invited into your papa's work. And it might not be right and it might be a little bit messy, but your heavenly father says, no, 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 I'm just glad that you're here just show up and just come with me. I'll take the way. I'll help you along. And you say, here am I instead of who am I? Send me. Now. For some, this next part, I think God's going to really do something. To live out who you were made for. You have to surrender to God fully. I I don't know if you noticed, but surrender preceded sending. You see, Isaiah said, here I am. Here am I, and then send me. And for some, you long desperately to be used by God. You long to step into that. And you've been wondering and doubting your significance. And until you surrender fully to who God is, you will always be wondering and doubting if God can use you fully. You have to surrender and say, here I am, all of me. I'm holding nothing here's what's so amazing because we wrestle we wrestle with the reality of like okay I'm, I'm not equipped though <laughs> how can I be used of God we feel the way I felt with that homeless man I'm overwhelmed I don't know what to do I'm not equipped think about this I love Mother Teresa I think God it's so right she said this I'm I'm just a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who's sending his letter of love to the world. See, it's not so much the usefulness of the tool as it is the tool in the hands of the master that makes it useful. If we could just get away from it being about us and realize that it's about God, and when you place your whole life in his hands he will use you mightily. When you bring the little that you have, he will use you mightily. I'm just a little pencil. That's it. I'm just a little pencil. Whatever gifts I have, whatever crap I bring, it's just here. It's all yours, God, in your hands. But would you write a letter of love to a hurting and broken world? Surrender always precedes sending. Now, think about this, though. In your search for significance, in your search for meaning, you always surrender to something and someone. In our quest, we've, we've surrendered. Surrender to the gods of success. Surrender to the gods of being upwardly mobile. Surrender to somehow having the right look, the right family, all those sort of things. We gave it all. And the invitation is that you would take you to step into the more you're made for, to get into not just knowing God, but encountering God. It's going, here am I. Now, I want to close with a picture that I hope will bring this all together. Imagine, if you will, this sheet of paper represents you. I wanted to get, like, colorful construction paper, but I couldn't find any. So it's very white and plain, and some of the, you, that's where you're at. You feel very white and plain. <laughs> now, now, if you just imagine, okay, this is you. This is, this is all of you. But the problem is our lives aren't all on a sheet like this. Isn't? We live complicated lives. We live full yet somewhat fragmented lives. And so the reality is, as much of our lives like this, okay, this piece of me... This is my work piece, okay? I got my work piece, and then this piece of me, okay? That is my, there's, that's my school piece. We got a lot of students in here. We, that's my school piece. This piece of me, that's my family. This piece of me, well, that's my future. This piece of me, honestly, I don't want to tell you about this piece of me. This is the secret part. This is the secret chamber. This is the part that I don't want anyone to know if that I just keep hidden that my thoughts. This is this is my sexuality. This is my parts my sexuality. This is my finances. This is my dreams. This is the, these are the wounds that I've accumulated over the years. This is the addictions that I've struggled with. Prayers. Here's what's interesting. Okay, if you can stick stay with me. Each piece represents a part of you. And all of them together represents who you are. Now, let me ask you a question. If you really loved God, which piece would you give him? I mean, which, which one? This one, this one. Let me ask it a different way. If you really believe God loved you, if you really believe that he's all powerful, all wise, all good, and has your very best in mind, which pieces would you give him? We instinctively know the answer, right? Right? We'd give them every piece. Of course we would. How could we not? That's what it means to say, here am I. That's what it looks like to surrender. To say, God, I'm going to pick up the pieces of my life, every piece, and give them to you. You can have all of me. And for some, this is a turning point in your life where for the first time, you're going to give to God all of you. And by the way, you get to experience all of God when you do that.